five, four, three. You ready? Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that would rather be a member of the Night's Watch than a member of the Gold Cloaks. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. And now my watch has ended. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, all right. So before we get into that, uh, today is May 21st, 2019, and we are... Kind of um, mourning the loss of probably the greatest television show in the history of television. Um, I think it's 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 this really weird feeling. I don't know about you, Peter. In the terms of the watching category, that's all I got today. So when, so when I say <laughs> yeah. what are we watching, it's going to be Game of Thrones. Got today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Game of Thrones for me. Is that the same for you, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you hauled ass to get up to current for the finale to watch the finale. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, Before we talk about the show, the weirdest thing for me is this show has been a part of my life for eight long years. Longer, actually, because we had that giant hiatus between seasons. Um, But it feels really weird right now because the show is over. It doesn't matter... If the finale is the greatest thing on the and the greatest thing to ever be or the worst thing to ever be, it's very weird that the show is over. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I know this is for you. You kind of lightning went. You kind of went through it real quick. So it, I don't know if that's the same feeling for you. A little bit. So like when the show first came out, I uh, I did watch it when it was first airing, and I fell off at some point and was kind of just too lazy. Or too cheap to get an HBO subscription, so I kind of uh, just fell behind. But I still really connected with a lot of those characters and really loved them. So these characters have, I feel like, been part of my life in some form for a while. And then uh, I don't know if it was just excitement for the new season or uh, what it was, but I decided to just, you know, like you said, just haul through it and binge the whole thing and. Uh, it was an awesome experience. I think I caught so many more little details than I would have if I watched it week to week. But now that it's over, like, I'm kind of just grieving the loss of the show as well. Like, I just... Right. Besides the way it ended, it just the fact that there's no more of Game of Thrones to watch, I'm, like, kind of just mourning that to myself. Right. So, um, do you... Uh... Let's see, how do, would you, when people make that statement, this is the greatest television show in the history of television, would you agree with that statement, being someone who kind of binged, as opposed to watching it week to week, or like, yeah. in the lengthy format that I took it as? Um, I think so. I, uh, I originally don't think I held Game of Thrones to being the best a show could be, and I think it's just because... As much as I always loved it, there are still parts here and there that I kind of, like, would get a little bit bored watching. But binging through it, I actually, I think that kind of changed my perspective on that. Because I actually, the second time watching even season one and two, which I had already seen before, I actually enjoyed every bit even a little bit more. And I think it was just part of just, I guess, that uh, immediate ability to 
retain that information and to see each scene as opposed to waiting a week and then having to sit through slow scenes, if that sure. makes sense. And that actually, I think, could have affected uh, people's opinions on this last season, too. Because maybe. they had to wait week to week, and then if something's a little bit slower or less climactic, yeah, maybe. climactic than they think it would okay. be. Okay, I was yeah. just curious. This is just the show that I always, always want more from, and the big thing for me is that it's over, and the next piece of Game of Thrones I'm going to get, aside from rewatching, would be the prequel shows <laughs> when they finally come. Yeah, well, I mean, I gave you a long-winded, vague answer right there, but, like, I totally think this is the greatest show ever. <laughs> like, okay. To, okay. to make it shorter, like, <laughs> all right. like I, I think this, this show is amazing. It's all I've thought about since it ended, and, like, I don't think I've loved a show this much ever. You know, um, I was told, like, I really love the show Stranger Things. I feel like Stranger Things is still, like, a close second to Game of Thrones for me right now. So right. I just, I still think Game of it's Thrones just, takes the cake. It's everything I've tried watching, like, and I'm saying tried watching, like, oh, hey, I got to clear the next thing on my DVR. It just, everything's got a bad taste in my mouth because of how good Game of Thrones is. Yeah. And that's, that's what's weird. Um, let's talk about that final episode. Um... First, okay, so first off, there's a lot of, huh, the fan petitions against this final episode, I'm not going to get on a soapbox, I'm not going to get on a high horse and kind of yell at people, but all I'm going to say is, look, we live in a world where apparently if you don't like something, you basically go online and create this giant petition and hope the company, like, responds to you. Yeah. That that is whiny millennial thinking. Um, <laughs> I mean, it worked for Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, though. it we worked for Sonic. It worked that. for Sonic the Hedgehog, but that's whiny millennial thinking. You can't. They are not going to listen to a word you say. It doesn't matter what petitions or how many people. But it's very disrespectful to these people who like put so much time into this show. Um, Kit Harrington went on record before the season started and seeing he basically say, "Screw the critics." It doesn't matter what they think. And I'm kind of in that boat with him saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what people think on this because the impossible, impossible standards that this show had to live up to for the ending. Like, I mean, this was on a pedestal that nothing has ever been on a pedestal before. Um, I'd like I wouldn't to, say nothing, but well, yeah, I, do I would like understand. to. I'd like to compare this to the impossible standards that Star Wars Episode One had to live yeah. up to. That is the only thing that you can closely compare it to. But when Star Wars Episode One ended, no matter what you thought of the movie, you were ready for the next one, and yeah. you weren't filling out petitions, um, <laughs> begging them to change stuff. This was a. This is the end of something amazing, and you know. It seems like half of the world hated it and half the world liked it. And I knew going in that that is going to be yeah. a split. There was going to be no middle ground. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of weird to me, just that whole response, too. Because, like, I've known people who... I know people who didn't like uh, Batman v Superman, for example. Yeah. Like, that's a good example of a movie that was very anticipated, but it came out and it was very divisive, like, as far as whether you liked it or not. And I know people who didn't like the movie, but they didn't immediately say... Well, they need to reshoot it. They're, I know people whose reaction was more like, man, I don't know if I liked that. Let me process it. Let me watch it again. Sure. Let me figure it out. And I think that's an appropriate response then immediately saying, no, it sucks. Let's start a petition. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, um, so, uh, so I think that the big issue here 
and this comes down to people liking and the whole petition nonsense, is I think people basically, like, they had to wait an extra long time for the season. Once we got to that extra long time for that season, not only was it short, and I and not short in terms of content. Like you still like I think you got the exact same amount of time as you got from season seven. Yeah, season I, seven I was a shorter that. season, yeah. but they were shorter episodes. Where this was a shorter season with longer episodes. I honestly think it's the same amount of physical screen time as the previous season. I would believe it. Okay, um, and I think that because we had to wait so long to get it, people were automatically wanting to poke at it and see what all the, like, what are the problems here and there and actually like look at it on a very critical, uh, under a very critical microscope. You know, I mean, yeah, someone caught the coffee cup and yeah, someone caught the water bottle yeah. and like, sure. But you know, there's that aside, you know, I mean the bat, the long night, the episode, the long night, the battle of Winterfell, I understand that some people had a hard time seeing things. But I also understand there's a reason it was done that way. Yeah. You know, and I... Hmm. This is, like, I'm actually very, uh... I think I'm a little critical of lighting and movies and shows. Like, I like everything to be well lit and clearly seen. Well, but, well, I was gonna say, for that, that episode, I think it made perfect sense. I think because of how dark it was, it was a scarier battle. And, yeah. like, I watched it... Like, I watched it on a regular TV, and I could understand pretty much everything. I think if you're watching it on a computer screen, maybe that's where it gets hard. But, yeah, I thought it was Yeah, the people I, I talked great. to that had trouble seeing things, it was because it was streaming. Yeah. Um, and not as opposed to watching it uh, live on HBO. I watched it live on HBO, and I thought I could see, I thought I could see everything yeah. pretty well. And the thing is about that episode is, like, it's all dark, but then once, like, fires are started and stuff like that, it just makes it that much more impactful, where the whole, like... Uh, contrast or not contrast right. but the brightness of the screen is just amped up so much more yeah. it just makes the whole battle so much more dynamic I yeah. would say so. and it's also I really like how the battle changes format as the battle progresses oh yeah like mm -hmm. it starts it starts as like your standard brave heart across the you know across the plains and then mm -hmm. you don't really see what happened to the dothraki but then the white walkers just charge in yeah and it's a legit battle on a field and then it turns into siege warfare mm -hmm. with the zombies or the zombies the white walkers climbing up on each other like in world war z trying to get over the hill go over <laughs> the walls and it's legit yeah. siege warfare and then you're in the trenches like inside and then it shifts to um it shifts to almost like walking dead nightmarish Mm -hmm. zombie movie inside the castle yeah, yeah, and definitely. then you shift to Arya in the library trying to get around the bot you know what I mean yeah, it's just no. it's like every so every few minutes it just changed to a different like movie it was really cool how they did it that was, and, that's a really you know, good point I didn't even think of that and like yeah. it just con like the battle just con <laughs> consistently shifted all the way to the end um, and then when you got to the end, it was like a standard killer chase scene, you know, with Freddy Krueger coming at the guy to get him and, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the hero comes out and saves at the end. Um, but you pointing all that, so I know we're probably going to continue to go through this, but people like have complained about uh, the Night King being easy to take out at the end of that battle. Yeah, people have. But that whole battle like felt so hopeless. Like, yeah. it seemed like everybody was going to die, so how can you say, like, he was easy to take out? And, like, it just... Some of these comments people are saying are frustrating me because right. I'm like, did you watch the same they're, show They're very frustrating to me, did, too. And that, you know? and that comes back to, like, we talked about Suicide Squad. 
how people like have a completely different, you know, they they like hated the movie and the way some of the things they said about Suicide Squad yeah. when that came out. It's like you guys clearly didn't see the same movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's do this. We're gonna um, for the listeners. If you if you haven't listened, if this is your first time listening to the show, we usually talk about things we watched, and we move into news, and then we move into our top five list at the end. Um, but. What we're going to do is next week, we're going to do like a big Game of Thrones like breakdown of like the series as a whole. So I don't want to spend too much time tonight. Yeah. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about the finale and what you thought. And then we'll move on to news. So did you like it? Did you not like it? You know, it, with the world hating it and half the world, you know, what do you think? I've watched the finale twice now. Yeah. Um, I, I loved the finale. Like I thought it was really well done but the show left me with like i know they've they've they warned us or george rr warned, warned us, us like they talked to us years ago that about said how it's gonna be a bitter this sweet is gonna be ending, a very yes. bittersweet ending and if you're expecting a happy ending you haven't been paying attention right and like the thing is like i watched the ending and i thought it was so well done but i was still left with that uh that mourning and that grief and it's still like it's still hitting me hard like how everything played out but i think that's like why it's good and like uh i mean i, I don't know how spoiler heavy i should get into it but like how about even... this how about this 19.3 million people watch the show <laughs> it is the highest it's the it's basically the most watched television yeah. program in the history of television if so you didn't I, watch it, you obviously didn't care. I mean, but the thing is, like, by the end, like, even after episode five, part of me still wanted Daenerys to get the Iron Throne and still wanted her to come out on sure. top. And that's why, like, I know it's so good because that's how much, even though after seeing that character go completely down the wrong uh, path or however you want to phrase it, and I still wanted her to, you know, to come out on top. And that's where I'm, like... Man, a show that can make me this conflicted is so well done. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. What were your kind of so thoughts of it? In the, you said you loved it. It and it's it's one of those things where I liked it, and the more I think about it, the more I love it. I guess I can so say. So my initial reaction when the when the show ended, I really didn't know what to say. Yeah. And there was someone and, and there was someone that. watching the show with me that asked the question, and I had to answer it. And it was basically, but I, the question was, I don't understand why John is not on the throne. And I had to explain that to someone. And then I had to really, like, soul search for the next couple days, like, trying to decide how I felt about it. And the more and more and more I think about it, the more I realize that is the ending that it needed to be. And it makes me like it so much more. Yeah. Like, I'm really happy with it. But at the same time, I am so distraught over the ending of the show. Um, I'm distraught over the fact that, like, and see, I'm assuming, I, I really just, the people who are complaining about it, I assume they just wanted John or Danny on the throne. Yeah. And that's really, that's, that's got to be what it is. But that's way too easy. And it doesn't make sense. And I've been thinking long and hard about John's choice to kill Danny and the reason he did. And I think I have that figured out in my head, at least 
in in terms of a hero, in terms of a hero's journey. And John has, in my opinion, probably the best heroic ending of the entire show. Um, do I need to explain that? You're kind of making a weird face. No, I'm just kind of like contemplating everything you're okay. saying. But yeah, um, I agree with what you're saying. The um, the reason I say that John has the big heroic thing is um, I want to jump back to, and we'll, we're going to talk heavily on this next week, um, but we're going to uh, look back at the beginning of the show. The series started post a war with the Targaryen family where, they had, where Jamie Lannister had to kill the Mad King, Aerys yeah. Targaryen, Daenerys' father, okay? Jamie being a member of the Gold Cloaks, killed the Mad King and became known as the Kingslayer. And then for the rest of his life, he was looked at as a pariah because he made the hard decision to kill the tyrant to end the war. Yeah. Okay? Even though Jamie is a character we hated at the beginning, and then he was a character that we grew to love, and then even though he made a choice in the end that pissed us off to go save his sister, we still cared for Jamie. Jamie had a heroic ending, but here we are, once again, dealing with a tyrant, a Targaryen tyrant. John walked into that room, into that throne room. This is heavy spoilers, by the way. John walked into that throne room and said, and knowing after his conversation with Tyrion, that he had to kill her. He has to stop her. It's, I'd be selfish and let her live or be selfish and take the throne for myself or I make the decision to kill her making myself an outcast sacrificing myself for the greater good mm -hmm. not only is that why John is a better leader but that is why John goes down as the greatest hero of the story it is a perfect heroic story arc right no I, I agree with no, that I'm, like, I'm just saying and I think yeah. I and I think that's one of the things people don't understand is why John had to kill Daenerys he had to make that choice he had to make the sacrifice well um, you have to look at the like the guy's whole life like you can he I think he I don't think he does like a selfish thing no throughout the whole series it, it just also goes back to the Night's Watch oath he's the watcher on the wall right everything even, he does. Is for the people. The fact that he took up that oath in the first place shows right. that too. But I think like it goes to how many times in the last two seasons did Jon Snow say, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to rule. And he was kind of, he kept getting forced into the position and he was really good at that position. And at the end, he was kind of uh, punished for killing the queen and sent to the Night Night's Watch. But that ended up leading him to be able to go into the wild and become a free man. And I feel like even though he had to make such a selfless uh, sacrifice of killing Daenerys, he's finally happy. Like, he finally has what right. he really is going to be happy at doing. And even though you as a viewer might not like that, that's his happy ending, essentially, or right. as happy as it can be. So, like, I think it's a right. stupid thing right. to complain about, <laughs> personally. It <is>. so. <laughs> um, the other thing is that uh, Bran getting the throne, if you watch real closely, Bran's not leading the country. Right. Okay, Tyrion good is. Point. Yeah. <laughs> the hand of the king rules when the king can't. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Bran, Bran wheels himself into that council chamber where everyone's meeting for the big meeting of the day. And Bran goes, you got this. Mm -hmm. And he wheels himself out. Like, 
Tyrion's in charge. Yeah. Um, so, and in, in, in all serious reality, when someone says who won the Game of Thrones, the North won. Yeah. It's not, no, yeah. It's not an individual person. The North won. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. That's, I mean, we're going to talk about this more yeah, next we're gonna week. Go we're going to go real heavy and we're going to do like more of a breakdown of the series as a whole. So, yeah. um, I can say one thing specifically about the finale though. Um, so like we said, I binged through like the whole series and I actually finished season eight, episode five, a few hours before the series finale. So I like finished it, had like a couple hour break and then went right into the last episode. And so I didn't have to wait. Like I didn't have a week to wait. So like essentially season eight, I viewed as like a long movie as opposed to a weekly episode sort of structure. And to me, it felt climactic. Like it felt like episode five flew flowed right into six there was like each episode had its own climax resolution whatever but it felt like a whole thing and it did feel climactic and i know a lot of people who waited week to week i don't think they were viewing it as a whole piece of art they were look viewing it as weekly episodes and i think that led to some of the disappointments with the last episode right. too so right well, let's move on from Game of Thrones. We're going to talk <laughs> sure. more next week, and we'll tell you why we're going to talk more next week uh, a little bit later. Uh, let's hit some news. Uh, let's try and get through the news kind of quickly because we got a. Um, I have a feeling this trilogy conversation is going to be. Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll end up see how. Anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, um, I want to hit this. This is kind of a funny piece of news, but I thought it was kind of cool. I don't know if you knew, but Ducktales, the cartoon back from back in the day when we were kids. Yeah. Came back to Disney Channel. Not, yeah, it was a So word. they've redone it. The animation's just a tad different, but the couple episodes that I've seen, it's the same show. <laughs> okay. Um, Darkwing Duck, which was a spawn off of that show, is coming back to Disney. <laughs> Interesting. I thought that was really funny. Um, I, the one episode that they released um, on, on the DuckTales show proper, I recorded to watch it just because I always liked Darkwing Duck back in the day. Yeah. So I wanted to give it a shot just to see what it looked mm-hmm. like. Um, but I just thought that was cool. Um, <laughs> uh, it is cool. I like uh, a whole new generation being introduced to Darkwing Duck. Um, right. Darkwing Duck is basically, if you don't know who he is, he's, he's technically the Batman of the DuckTales universe. <laughs> I guess that's the yeah. best way of wording it. He's a superhero in his own right, but he's, <laughs> I would say he's most comparable to Batman. So. Yeah. He's like the coolest looking hero who doesn't do anything cool, I would say. <laughs> like, he yeah. always sucks. He always like... Uh, like, he'll, you know, try to shoot a gun at a bad guy, but a bubble will come out. Like, he's never do Like, everything's right. slapstick humor against him, but he looks so cool, so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are getting their TV show. Yeah. For the Disney Plus app. It has been confirmed that it'll be August 2020. Okay. So, a year, like, a little over a year from now. Um, it'll be six episodes. Um, and it'll also feature uh, Sharon Carter, who played or uh, Agent Thirteen from the Captain America movies. That was played right. by Emily Van Camp. Um, she's on the show The Resident that I watched. She's actually the reason I started watching The Resident, just because I like mm. her as an actress. Okay. Um, so Emily, if you're listening, I uh, I'm planning on checking out that show when we get there. Um, and then uh, the CW um, is not renewing its Netflix deal. I don't entirely know what this means. Um, so 
the CW like shows like Flash, Arrow, yeah. the Arrowverse, and stuff like that, uh, Riverdale. They're all going to so the CW signed a deal with Netflix. So eight days after the season ends. So, for example, Supergirl just ended. Their finale yeah. was the same night as Game of Thrones. I haven't watched the Supergirl finale yet because I was too in Game of Thrones mode. <laughs> yeah. um, but Supergirl's finale ended that night. Eight days later, the whole season will be on Netflix. Nice. So those all those all hit pretty quick. You don't have to wait like till the end of the summer, that kind of thing. Um, so from what I've been reading is they're not renewing the deal so the new shows that CW is producing, so like the Batwoman show and the Caddy Kane um, show that's like a spinoff of Archie um, okay. or a spinoff of Riverdale or something I didn't even like know that, about this. <laughs> I guess the new stuff that they're doing is not um, going to be on Netflix at all because okay. Warner Brothers is trying to figure out what the DC – because. The DC app released, Warner Brothers is trying to figure out what they're doing with their streaming material. Yeah. So they're trying to maybe do their own streaming app. I don't mm-hmm. know what this means for DC. I hope it doesn't mean anything for DC. Because DC has the comic it books It honestly stuff, probably so. just means more. Like, it probably means they'll bring the DC CW shows to the DC app and then right. probably bring all of them right. onto their now, own app. So. But what I've been, from what I've been gathering, it's only affecting the new stuff, not the existing stuff. So... That says to me that, um, like, Flash will probably still be on the CW. They're probably contra- contractually obligated for a certain amount of seasons or something yeah, like that. I don't, Netflix, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, I just thought it was interesting and worth mentioning in the event that there's a big shakeup over at Netflix with the uh, <laughs> with the CW show. Right, so yeah. <laughs> if you're like, that's how you watch them, like, keep that in mind that it might... <laughs> Not be there for very long. I don't know. Definitely. But man, that. But if it does get pulled, that's more content being pulled from Netflix. You know, yeah. like that's that's getting weird for Netflix. So, <laughs> good luck over there. Um, did you see the Westworld trailer? No, I haven't watched any Westworld. You haven't so. watched any no, Westworld. Yeah, okay, so maybe I'll have to Game of Thrones it and watch you know the what? whole series. <laughs> um, you like Game of Thrones? Great. If yeah. you want something to take your mind off Game of Thrones. I think you would really, really like Westworld. Okay. Just on things that we talk about, right. I think you'll really like it. Nice. Um, I know a little bit about what it's about, but okay. yeah. The, the third season trailer was in front of Game of Thrones finale. Okay. Which, so, and my, and like, I, I, was, I don't remember I wasn't, seeing it. I wasn't I expecting to see it, and the, uh, and I remember... I, I wasn't expecting it to be there, but of course, if you're going to advertise another big show, why don't you do it right in front of Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah. Because they also had a Watchmen thing in front of Game of Thrones as well. No, they yeah. didn't. They just had Westworld, and they had this other new show. Um, <laughs> but the Westworld trailer started, and I was like, this is cool looking. What's this new thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm like, this, this show looks kind of spiffy. Uh, what is this? And then it says Westworld on the screen, and I'm like, wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so they com- that trailer completely blew my mind because of how different the show looks, and I had no clue that it was Westworld. So that just makes me really excited to see it. Um, it's not going to be out until next spring, but that's okay. Like, it just looks amazing. Uh, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad looks like he's joining the cast. Okay. So nice. um, I don't know. It looks like he's the new main character, but I don't know what that means or like maybe he's a supporting character but the trailer seemed to focus around him sweet so uh, <laughs> yeah um we just watched the trailer for the new trailer for once upon a time in hollywood yeah we did what do you think about that 
No, it was cool. It was, uh, last time we talked about this movie, I mentioned, like, not knowing how Charles Manson fits into it at all. <laughs> and watching it now, I can kind of understand how he fits into it more, but I actually don't know a lot about the history of, like, just all the Charles Manson stuff. It looks really good. Like, it looks really interesting. It looks... I'm excited. Oh, for I've it. been I mean, excited all yeah. along. It's just the trailer, like, this just expounded on what my excitement yeah. for it. I don't it's, have a lot to it's say. It's cool, but. too, because it's, like, it looks like it's Tarantino, but it it also doesn't look like Tarantino. Like, it looks like it's standing as its own thing, not mm-hmm. like... You have to see this because it's a, it's a Tarantino movie. It's like you have to see right. this because it looks awesome. So, um, Let me see here. Now we talked about that. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just thought of something because we got off the Game of Thrones thing, but there was something I right. I wanted to read. Um, did you watch the ending to The Big Bang Theory? Because that came no. to a close. This is the year for endings, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so I heard The Big Bang Theory ended... But I also heard that if you haven't been watching it for the last few seasons, half like most of it isn't gonna really matter to you or something like that. So, so this is one that I'm legitly disappointed in. Oh wow! Like legitly disappointed, and I've had a love hate relationship with Big Bang Theory the whole time because there's times that I'm like, you know, you guys, you guys could be doing better. Or like the, the like the show went through like this weird evolution for me, and yeah, there were, no, I got I, I got kind of nitpicky with it, but. This was a finale, like, um, all right, so did you ever see the Friends finale? Yes. Yeah, okay. of course. I thought that was a perfect finale. Yeah. They didn't need to close all the doors, but it, it was a really solid, like, it felt special. It felt like something that it's, sh- like, it felt like it, that's what it's supposed to be. This felt like I'm going to see them next season. Weird. It didn't feel special to me in any way. Yeah. It just felt like another episode of Big Bang Theory. And they had, like, one special moment where Sheldon makes this, like, because, so, spoiler alert, Sheldon wins a Nobel Prize. Um, I don't know if that's that big of a shocker because he's talked about the Nobel, winning the Nobel Prize for the entire run of the show. But um, he wins a Nobel Prize, and in his acceptance speech, he says some really touching things about his friends. Cool. Okay. Other than that, it didn't feel special. It just felt like a regular episode. It was almost, like, weird. Mm-hmm. And, like, overall, I was just really disappointed. Um, yeah. Not, like, How I Met Your Mother disappointed, but <laughs> I was disappointed. So. <laughs> huh. Um, yeah. I, yeah, that's that's it, weird. <laughs> no, it was, just, it, it was. It was just bizarre. I was like, okay, well, that's another thing that ended, and I, yeah, I didn't like that one. Is Young okay. Sheldon still going on? Yes. Yeah. Which I still, which, that's, that's one thing that really weirds me out I think um because young Sheldon uh, Jim Parsons said he wanted to stop playing Sheldon so they're not so that's one of the reasons that's like the main reason why they stopped doing the show Big Bang Theory but Jim Parsons is going to still do the voice of Sheldon on young Sheldon (laughs) I I don't I don't I mean I guess there's no physical performance if he just has to show up every week and talk for half an hour go in a recording booth in his pajamas yeah call it a day um but the one thing that I really want to talk about tonight, uh, before we move on to our list, is uh, the Batman role. Have you heard about right. this? Have you so, have you seen this ridiculousness? On <laughs> I've been following it. Um, I've been very lazily following it, where I'll catch word of it, and I've kind of haven't 
engaged in a lot of discussion about it, but I've kind of been like keeping an eye on it from a distance is the best okay. I can say. So, so finally, we're going to get some answers to the who's playing Batman in uh, Matthew Reeves' uh, The Batman movie, whatever it's going to be titled, because apparently The Batman is not the title. Um, right. So it's been it's so if you've seen online that Robert Pattinson from Twilight fame is playing Batman, those reports currently are false because they're down to four actors. He does not officially have the role. Apparently, it's a very, very rigorous um, uh, audition process. I don't entirely know what it entails, but they're putting these four you know, actors through the ringer, and there's a chance that they're testing social media response, too. I don't know. Hmm. Um, yeah. What I do know is, is that I saw a report that said Robert Pattinson is Batman, and then the internet exploded with hate. <laughs> and guess what? A petition. So Not so, just not just a petition, many petitions. So my take on it, because I was, like, kind of trying to allude to the fact that I don't know all the details, but from what I saw, it was released that Robert Pattinson... <laughs> is in talks to play Batman, which sounds like that's still true. I saw and that's I saw confirmed, I saw in talks, right. I saw down to four actors, <laughs> all in different orders. Yeah. Um so well, that's that's what I'm saying. It probably is like the in talks part and down to four actors part I think is true. And then just people just ran with Robert Pattinson freaked out <laughs> and then it just became this huge internet fiasco I, like, essentially. I mean it's it's ridiculous, like, the way this guy is getting, like, raked over the coals. Now, let's put all of the nonsense aside, and let's talk about this real quickly. I am not a fan of Twilight. <laughs> I gave the... I, I, I will admit that I watched the first movie solely because I had heard all the negative stuff before I watched the movie. Okay? Heard tons of negative stuff about how it's horrible, whatnot, but you have this like fan base over here, right? Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, you love a thing that's great. You know, I love this other thing, and we don't have like in that way we're the same, right? So, um, I knew I'm also a firm believer that if you don't give something a shot, you shouldn't have. You don't. Your opinion kind of. I doesn't agree count. with that totally. Yeah. So I watched the first movie on the sole basis of. I want to be able to talk about this with a legitimate opinion. Okay. I will admit that I didn't like it so much that I will not watch anymore. But I get why other people liked it. Fine. Okay. I liked the Fifty Shades movies. Those are built off of a Twilight fan fiction. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, I, but I'm going to give this movie a shot, right? I'm going to give it its due, and then if I like it, I keep going. If I don't, I don't, okay? Mm. Uh, Ryan, who's not here with us tonight, but our audio guy, is a big fan of the Twilight movies. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. And he had confessed that to me a while back. Sorry, Ryan, if I'm doing this on the air <laughs> when you're not around. But um, he said he really liked those movies. That's fine. To each your own. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when Robert Pattinson was announced as Batman, or not announced as Batman, I had to do some really big like thinking on this because I've seen him in other movies not just Twilight and I had to think about his other acting careers the guy is not a bad actor no yeah okay um but you gotta remember we're not casting Batman so much as we're casting Bruce Wayne okay 
Nine times out of ten, it's going to be a stunt guy in a suit doing all the crazy nonsense as Batman, and they use Robert Pattinson for the close-up, or Ben Affleck for the close-up. You know what I mean? They're going to let you do as many stunts as the insurance company will allow, and then they're going to use you for the close-ups. The stuntmans cover the rest. You're casting Bruce Wayne, and that's what we have to think about this. Yeah. Because we're doing a younger Batman, the more I thought, the more I'm kind of okay with this. Right. So, you know, I can't judge him by one movie. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, and I agree, and I actually feel like, so I heard about, like, he was in talks, and I was like, so my initial thought was, really? But then I remembered. <laughs> That's what, that was what, my response. Yeah, that was my original thought, but then I remembered Ben Affleck, and I remembered how, I mean, I wasn't really part of this discussion, but I remembered how people freaked out about Michael Keaton, and I was like, and how people freaked out about Heath Ledger when he was cast as the yeah. Joker, and I was like, okay, They've proven us wrong so many times. I'm going to bite so my many, tongue. So many times. Forget the DC side of things. How many times did we hear about Marvel casting where we were like, what? Yeah. It's the same thing. We have to trust the casting department. Yes, There's a exactly. reason they cast these mm-hmm. people for these roles. Wait until it comes out before you whine and moan. You have to give it a <laughs> shot. <laughs> and I remember uh, I was talking to a friend at work about this, and we kind of agreed on the same thing. Like, well, you know, we've all been proven wrong in the past, so we can't, you know, we can't get too mad about it yet. But I still just don't know. <laughs> and I think it's one of those things. Until we see him in this, until we see whoever they pick. In the suit, we're really not gonna. There's a know, lot of you know there's I mean? a lot of fan art right now about Robert Pattinson, like in the suit or standing in the Batcave or sitting in the chair at like Wayne Manor. Like there's yeah. a lot of fan art right now with him doing these various things. And yes, I can physically see it on those pictures, but I'm start. But just thinking about his acting career and paying attention to him as an actor. I actually think he'd be pretty good, and I'm willing to give it a shot. If this is the final, yeah. if this is the final thing, I have to give. I have to be willing to give it a shot. There's a really cool side by side I saw where it was like a motion GIF of like Robert Pattinson's face morphing into Ben Affleck. Yeah, and, and it it's, probably is and pretty it's, close, and right? it's re, it's almost haunting. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like I um, mean, how that like mo- like how it like he ages to be Ben Affleck, yeah. and there's a good chance now. I know Ben Affleck's not Batman anymore, but maybe that's the big secret, quote-unquote, that we're doing this younger Batman movie <laughs> on purpose because you're about to get another Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. Do you know what I, I mean? mean? Like, yeah, this speculation, great. pipe dream, I might, I'm might, i going to be wrong, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. There's so much there. But, yeah, I think that was one of the things I thought is, like, yeah, I could see Robert Patton, like, Pattinson or whatever his name is. Like, I don't know about his stature specifically as a person, but I feel like he looks like a bit of a taller guy. He's going like, to have to get yeah, bigger. Yeah, maybe he could. Well, yeah, but I was just thinking of, like, height and stuff, and I feel like, yeah, maybe he could fill that Ben Affleck suit or something like yeah, that. So right. that's kind of where my thoughts were. As far as his acting ability, like, I honestly know him best as Cedric Diggory from the Harry Potter series. So, and sure. that was a long time sure. ago. I, so you know what? I, I completely <laughs> forgot that he was in Harry Potter. <laughs> I couldn't comment on his any new acting movies that he's been in so yeah well we'll see what happens with that and obviously we'll report because we it's a comic book movie and why wouldn't we right um but how about this uh moving on so let's let's get to the list are you ready for that uh as ready as i can ever be i guess (laughs) all right uh ryan it's list time so uh let's play that thing 
And now for the top five. All right. Okay, so list this week. I figured we would cover something that we're always doing individuals. And let's look at something as like a story arc. Yeah. Okay. So since this was my list, let me just give a brief breakdown. We're going to talk about our top five favorite trilogies. Now, I understand that some trilogies get a fourth or a fifth or a sixth. Okay? Star yeah. Wars has multiple trilogies. They have a prequel trilogy that tells one story. And they have a, uh, they have the original trilogy, which tells another story. And now they're about to have a sequel trilogy. I understand that all those together tell one giant story. But each group of three is a separate trilogy. Okay? You have uh, Indiana Jones... There's three Indiana Jones movies that was a trilogy, and at one point, they decided to make a fourth. Die Hard, they had three Die Hard movies, and then they decided to make a fourth movie years later. So every now and then, a franchise gets a fourth, okay? Superman had three movies, and then they went, eh, let's do a fourth one. You could still technically count it as a trilogy. Aliens is a good example of that. Yeah. Um, there's, There's a lot of examples. Lord of the Rings, two trilogies. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then they have the Hobbit trilogy. Technically, The Hobbit could have been one movie if you've read that book. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, so, definitely. But either way, trilogies, three movies making one story arc. Um, so I so I know that in terms of the rules, you couldn't get a fourth one. There could be a fourth one in yeah. the pile. Well, I just... To me, I guess you can pick any three movies that go together. To me, I just... Like, for my own personal list and taste, if you're talking about trilogies, I prefer something that is, like, more connected as three movies as opposed to, um, I don't know, like, some people just pick, like, a really long series of movies, like... I'm going to pick James Bond to number this through this for my trilogy, and it's not always connected right. that way. Well, you know and, that's, I mean? and that's a good example because, um, like, Star Trek, the original Star Trek films, This what we're up to, like, 13 Star Trek films at this point, but Star Trek 1, sorry, 2, 3, and 4 were written as um, a trilogy. They were yeah. meant to be a trilogy, and then they later did the other movies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you wanted to say Star Trek and you wanted to use those three, I totally understand why. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm talking about this is this is a writing thing. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I yeah, I agree, and I think it's open. Like you can pick any movies you want. It's just like sometimes people hit you with the trilogy, and I'm like, well, that's not really a trilogy. <laughs> so right, that's right. that's all it is. <laughs> I do have at least one on my list that's kind of weird. So I guess all right. I can, well, the reason it. I the reason I wanted to bring up the argument of the different trilogies and stuff is uh, because Star Wars has the multiple trilogies. They uh, technically the prequels could be a trilogy on your list. Technically, the originals yeah. could be a trilogy on your list. The sequel trilogy, in my opinion, yet the movie's not out yet, so that doesn't count. It's not a complete trilogy. <laughs> um, and I'll throw that out on purpose. Yeah. So, um, But hey, this was uh, my pick for list, so uh, you get to go first. Okay. Um, I, unfortunately, have to, while you're discussing your first honorable mention, possibly, I have to kind of narrow this down because I have yeah. four honorable mentions that I cannot decide oh, on. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, so I was actually narrowing down my list to, uh, you know, up until the last minute as well, but uh, I do have two honorable mentions. So uh, my first one is the Sam Raimi Spider Man trilogy. Oh, nice. So these first two movies I loved. The third one, I don't, but there's sections of it that I do admire quite a bit. Sam Raimi is one of my favorite directors. I think he had like a really cool vision, a really good version of that story there. I think just the third one, his conflicts with the studios 
with the studio led to a subpar product pretty much so right yeah. sure okay um well so my first honorable mention because i had to really look look at this real quick while you were talking um i'm gonna go with scream okay this made my short list um, this is... i know scream got a fourth movie but if you look if you watch i mean it got a fourth movie years later yeah this was like the trilogy by itself was just three movies this is a real like what i love about this aside from it being just a good story overall it fall it makes fun of the genre I mean, we talked about this a little bit on our Halloween episode yeah. a while back, but it makes fun of the genre. It the writing of it is just really cool in that sense. Um, but it's a cohesive story amongst all three. Almost like it wasn't written together, but it l- almost seems as if it was written together. And it's just a full story arc to a specific character, like following um, Nev yeah. Campbell's character, Sydney. Um, and like part things that happen in the first movie directly impact like the events. Things of like that happen, right? The, the next movie, and then the next movie, and then there's callbacks to the original, callbacks <laughs> to like before the original. Like yeah. it was just, it was very, very smart writing. Um, and the Scream trilogy will always um, sit high on my you know list if we're talking like a trilogy as a whole. Definitely, so. I mean that's a great pick. So. Uh, my next honorable mention is uh, I've talked about these movies a lot, and so here's another time. But the uh, How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, I don't have to go on and on, but as far as just animated trilogies, this is up there, like probably my favorite one. Like it's so so good, so creative, so much work. And yeah, I still haven't seen the third one yet, it, so. but um, <laughs> I think you should wait because I've built it up too much. You're gonna watch it. And all right, like I it. will. I, I will wait. I my problem is is that when people like hype things up too much it kind of ruins the no thing that yeah I'm that's a watch yeah that's what that's why i'm saying like i know i've hyped this up a lot so maybe give it some time wait for well the hype to pass. anything with dragons in it's going to take a back seat because i'm like <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's hard to swallow dragons right now not just because yeah. i just want it to be game of thrones so um Oh, by the way, quick tangent i loved in the finale of game of thrones that shot where drogan like oh. came out of the snow Oh yeah, that like was first thought, yeah, Daenerys walking up and Daenerys well, like, flying off, about, like. Yeah. But the way he like came out of the snow, no, that was cool. That was oh man, that looked that the was. The cinematography this season has been amazing. In yeah, the show so, absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, okay, so my second honorable mention is um, Toy Story. Okay, awesome. I mean, yes, there's a fourth movie coming, but as of right now, it's just a trilogy, and that movie would have ended. But Toy Story, man, that, that's exact. Like, I'm sorry, like I. Part of me on a horror movie aspect, I don't want to be left alone in a room with a bunch of toys yeah. um, because of what happens when I leave the room. <laughs> but um, those movies, like, they're so well put together. Like, they're so well, you know, when you think about them, when you think about creating a children's character for, like, a cartoon and you think about the problems that they have and you have to think about, like, what the villain could be and you think about um, just, the, uh, for example, like, you know, being lost being broken the kid next door you know uh cannibalizing his toys to make other toys or burning them with matches or you know whatever the case would be like there's there's a horrific element to those characters lives it's no different than us they have the same they have perils it's just different but then when you get to like toy story 3 and you have something and you've grown with these characters and you live through this but then you get to deal with a movie that handled the concept of death and the acceptance of your own fate 
better than almost any movie in the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like everyone talks, like, so many people talk about, so many people talk about the scene in the incinerator where all the toys were holding hands and they're about to die and then they get saved by the aliens. Yeah. Like, that's the part where everyone cried. I'm like, great, that's the part where you cried. That's not the part where I cried. <laughs> the part that got me was when Andy gave up his toys. Mm-hmm. At the end. No, because, yeah, same here. Because I was that kid. Like, I treated my toys with that level of respect, and I played with them that way, and I totally get it, and I still keep, I still have my collection in that sense, you know. So, um, I totally understand where he's going, and, you know, in the growing up aspect. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's why the movie was touching. But just as a three-part story, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think I think this one's really good, too. It made my uh, short list. It didn't make my top list, just because it's... Uh... The Toy Story movies, I'm not always reaching to rewatch them again, like some of the other movies right. on my list. But right, and that comes to a, a lot pick. of a lot of situations here. Like yeah. a lot of my picks tend to do with the rewatching. Like when we yeah. talk about anything, it comes um, down to my rewatchability. I do like that you mentioned that incinerator scene, and I actually forgot that it was the aliens that saved them. But that's a direct like reference back to the first movie, and it just shows how like all three of them are this cohesive vision that like scream probably weren't planned as a trilogy but still they right. seem so tightly uh constructed together you know right. so that's awesome all right now before we move on to the before we move on to our actual five picks i'm gonna i want to preface this about my list none of the marvel films make my list the i agree only reason i'm saying this is yes i could have said iron man as a trilogy i could have said captain america as a trilogy but I personally believe you cannot watch those movies without the rest of the MCU. So to me, the Marvel MCU is whatever you would call a 22-film cycle. I agree. Do you know I what I mean? Absolutely so even that. though Captain America has a trilogy, I can't count it discussing a trilogy list. Yeah. No, so, I'm right there with you. So just in case I have a listener out there saying, you know, why don't you put any Marvel things on there? I almost think... It's too... Marvel kind of stands in its own category. I almost want to say Thor would be the closest Marvel movies that you could watch each as an individual. Thor trilogy. is a Thor is a series that you could probably watch on its own. That's what I'm thinking. Completely yeah. separate from the Marvel universe by itself. Now that you say that, yes. Yeah, I didn't think of it till just now either, but yeah. that might be the only one that you could separate and it would still work. And maybe We'll see when Guardians of the Galaxy 3 comes out. That might be along because, the same lines because as well. Because outside of... Because Guardians 1 and 2 are very outside of the rest of the connective yep. tissue. So, but we'll see what happens with that. So, <laughs> now that... now Because, that, it's, I mean, it's going to be as Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. I, I haven't heard that one before. That's pretty good. Um, so, yeah. What's your first actual pick? Okay, so my first actual pick, and uh, this one might be higher up on your list, but I did uh, the Indiana Jones trilogy, Indiana um, Jones. It is higher. It is higher on my list, but yes, we did match. So. Yeah. So this is like they're just. I actually this one was one I was debating where it was going to sit on my list and stuff, and uh, it almost didn't make it just because I know. A lot of people love this character, and I really like Indiana Jones. I don't think, like, Drew, for example, I think you have a bigger Indiana Jones fandom than I do. Yeah, I But I'm these movies are still movies I grew up with. They're, like, the ultimate ad adventure films. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just so much fun. There's tons of rewatchability. There's tons of history written into it. It's kind of like a more fun... And, well, I was going to think of the worst analogy possible, but I was going to say it's like... 
the Da Vinci Code as a more fun adventure movie right. with well, how intricate so, they we- weave so history Spielberg, into those movies. Spielberg but. really wanted to make a Bond film, but for some reason yeah, he's not allowed this. to make a Bond film. I don't know. Like It all comes down to the Bond estate. Like Ian Fleming's estate has very strict rules on who is allowed to work on Bond. And Spielberg, because he's not allowed to, he said to his friend George Lucas, I want to make a Bond film, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And George Lucas said, well, I have something that might be kind of cooler. And he hands him Indiana Jones. And together they go make Indiana Jones. And if you think about it, Indiana Jones in this weird sense technically is James Bond from this other world. And yeah. it's – yeah, so I – the adventure of Indiana Jones is amazing. Like all the things that he has to go after, like, you know, the history aspect, uh, the booby traps, the chasing after the object, the the – the Indiana Jones, the girls, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the universe that he lives in is just so cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an awesome pick. And also, like, uh, I think Radio- Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, if you watch that movie, there's so much stuff that happens. You know they changed film, the like, title? To what? To Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So all three movies are actually titled Indiana Jones and the... So- yeah, I mean, so, was Raiders of the Raiders Lost of the Ark? Lost Ark is was originally titled Raiders of the Lost. Oh, Ark. I, I actually never knew that. Indiana that Jones was, was not actually in the title; it was just Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then then it became Indiana Jones and the. So now <laughs> all three of them have that title yeah. as is, and so I don't know. Yeah, no, it's they're fantastic. It, it, uh, it reminds me of when they added Ferris Bueller's name to that all awesome movie called Day Off. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, because I was thinking about um, recently, when I say recently, like back uh, January-ish, maybe December, um, uh, Raiders was actually on TV, and I was watching it, and so many people think to themselves, um, everything you need to know about the characters in the opening scene of Raiders. And very much so. Everything you need to know about Indiana Jones is very much in that opening scene of Raiders. But... There's a scene a little bit later that is just gorgeous, and I'm not I'm not talking just shot, but written, um, where Indiana Jones has to go find Marion at the bar in Nepal, and um, he's talking to her. And this is something where, as a writer, you think to yourself, one line of dialogue tells a whole story, and the way their conversation about the past. Indiana Jones is looking for her father and she makes a comment about how he ran off and stuff like that. You don't even know who this character is yet, but clearly they have a history and clearly there's a history with her father and there was a falling out and like you get that from the dialogue but you don't entirely know what happened but you still get the whole story. Mm. It's brilliant writing. So you can say that opening scene's one thing but when you get to this scene and really focus on what's being talked about on screen, it's the exchanges are just incredible. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, anyway, so we kind of match. So this goes back to you. Okay. In our, oh, little, right. in our little game. Okay. So this might be higher on your list. Um, but I kind of just put it where it ranked for me, but I did, uh, the star Wars prequels episode Ooh. one to episode three. We did not match at all. Oh, wow. Okay. So go ahead. So, um, I mean, I I'll, mean, I'll gush over them with you, right, right. but they, so, did I mean, not, they did not make my list. <laughs> I've probably talked about this before, but when Phantom Menace came out, I was, like, the perfect age for the movie. I was, like, in sixth grade, I think, and uh, it was just, like, perfect timing for me. I loved the movie. I know a lot of people didn't like the movie, but for me, it was just awesome. Um, And as the years have gone on, like, 
I've just enjoyed like I went through a time where I didn't think as highly of these movies and then I came back to them and started noticing some of the intricacies of the movies like a lot of the stuff in the in Revenge of the Sith is very like it went over a lot of people's heads and I really appreciated that and how it's like this very intricate kind of almost hidden message at the end of Revenge of the Sith and uh I just think like these movies as well like there's so much art and story and characters that have gone into this movie. Like, the backgrounds of any scene are always lush with different technology, vehicles, aliens, characters. Like, there's so much you story You could watch those there. movies and just stare at the backgrounds. Yeah, and that's, like, another thing I love. And just that leads to what I was talking about earlier is rewatchability. Like, these movies are on, uh, I think it's TNT or TBS. TNT and TBS yeah. run marathons They, they run the them a lot. And when those are on, like, I always throw them on because there's... It's just, we've said it a million times, but every time you watch a Star Wars movie, you notice something new. Yeah. And in the prequels, like, it's so lush. The background is so lush with different elements. It's, like, tenfold. Like, you just notice so many new things every time you watch it. So Yeah. Um, we could be gushing about, like, if I'm not careful, we're going to be on Star Wars for the rest <laughs> of the night. Um, but, no, there's a special genius. to Everything you just said, there's a special genius to the storytelling and creating and telling us the original trilogy and then going back and giving us three more movies to take yeah. place prior to. And um, when you put everything together and the way and where the Star Wars universe is going now with the sequel trilogy, those prequel films are so important. And the people who don't like the prequel films, I think you really need to take another look at those prequel films because of how important they are going to be, in my opinion, to what's coming. Yeah. Um, but if you look at um, if you look at the prequel films um, by themselves, I, I think it's amazing how well they're aging right now. Um, if you haven't noticed, they they age really well, and people are like as far as technology, like yeah, the visual actually, effects or so. I didn't think so. This was a little while ago. I I felt that because the prequel, the sequel trilogy, the new ones, uh, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and and soon to be uh, the Rise of Skywalker, um, I feel like they because the sequel trilogy was trying to look more practical. Like the original trilogy, yeah. because at the time that move those movies were filmed, they didn't have the technology for CG, so they had to create everything very practical. Yeah, and then it feels like there's a nice blend going on right there. I felt almost like the CG in the prequels wasn't aging well enough, and almost made the C the prequels look more primitive okay, than yeah. the original trilogy. And I thought that was the most bizarre thing <laughs> that the newer movies were starting to look older than the right. older movies. Well, and then they kind of the blend of all of them together makes them look. Do, oh, does that make, so it, does it that make, chronologically it actually makes right. sense. I never it, thought it about almost that. Cool. like just on a visual level. It 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 blew my mind when I noticed that. Yeah. But I was worried that the prequels weren't going to age well because of that. Yeah, and then. As I talk to people and, you know, as we, like, see things and, like, going to Star Wars Celebration and seeing and paying attention to it in a different light, it's almost like the prequel films are aging better than I thought. That's cool. Yeah. And people are appreciating them on a scale that, you know, you got to understand the people who grew up with the prequel films are now in their 20s. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've, you know, I've talked to uh, people, like, like, I've had, like, a couple younger friends who have told me like they really connected to the prequels and the prequel like, bashing where, has stopped 
for the, the for most the most part, part yeah, the prequel yeah. bashing is completely stopped, mm-hmm. and they're great movies. So, yeah. and um, I do think like this is not necessarily prequel related, but it is. But one of the points you said is like practical effects. Like you talk to anybody who really appreciates like practical and like makeup special yeah, yeah. effects those age very well because if you sculpt a mask for a character you make you fabricate something it doesn't look like old cgi as it goes on like cg is always going to have that time stamp of eventually it's not going to look real right, right but practical effects always age better so i think that's just kind of some a cool star wars to touch on yes yeah, so the prequel films have some stuff where the cg doesn't stack up the way it probably could but there are other movies that came out at the same time Star Wars did where those CG effects do not stack no, up. No, yeah, I, I so, understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Very heavily do not stack up. But yeah, so... The one thing I think would be weird is if you watch... So if you watch the prequels and then you watch the Star Wars Special Edition and seeing that uh, Jabba cameo in A New yeah. Hope, like I feel like that'd be a little jarring. We're like, wow, why does that, Jabba look so jarring. bad right that's there? That's jarring, and some of the Moss Eisley stuff they added in the special edition, just the, just the pass-throughs of the city don't stack up as well as they could. Right. However... But I get your point. Uh, like, it's cool that it's actually, like, kind of the way it's aging, it actually looks like it's in the order it's supposed to be. Right, so. right. So, um, yeah, all right, so that comes back to me. Yep. Okay, so that comes back to me, and I'm going to go with Aliens. Okay, nice. Um, the Aliens trilogy, the first three, um, yes, they're doing new stuff with like Alien Covenant and Prometheus and stuff, but the original three films, because that's another one. This is another one where they made three movies, and then there was going to be no more, and then <laughs> later they decided to do a fourth yeah. and continue on. Um, but the original three told a single story that came to an end almost as if they were written together they clearly weren't um but uh they they told a really cool story that um and i've i've always loved the aliens as creatures i've always loved the environment visually stunning the writing is great like the alien trilogy just um, i don't know if you have any thoughts on that but um oh I, these movies these movies are just incredible yeah I mean, I think they're great movies. I love uh, the first two. I'm to be honest, it's been so long since I've seen the third one that I like need to watch it through it again because I don't remember a lot. Like I remember they're in a prison, right? And I remember like the scene that sticks out to me the most is the awesome scene when the uh, alien first like pops out of the dog. I think is what it is. Depends on which like, version so... of the movie you watch. And that's funny too. Is like, yeah. There's a director. There's a director. There's a version of the movie. I don't remember which one's which, but in one version of the movie it's a dog, and in one version of the movie it's a cow. Right. Yeah. Um. But I think like I can't say enough highly just about the Alien franchise because it's like I like I love uh movie monsters and the uh, xenomorph is one of the coolest looking monsters that's it's out there the, in my it's opinion so, probably the coolest looking yeah monster. and it's so iconic and they picked something that when they made that first movie they picked a design that looks realistic and it still holds up because of the way they designed it to exist in this dark spaceship where even though they were using practical effects that aren't even as good as some of the stuff we have now Oh, they the practical effects. They a way to make it they, hold up, you and know, the practical years. the practical effects of the aliens are so, like, light years ahead of any CGI aliens. And I understand yeah. if you look at, like, Alien Covenant 
Uh, those aliens look great. They're CG. They look great, but not nearly as how good they look when you stack yeah. them up against the practical effect alien. Yeah, exactly. And like they did a design, they created this design where yeah, it's a guy in a suit, but it doesn't look like a guy in the suit because the way like everything yeah. is sculpted um, and if it's you great, if you, you know? didn't know, this is a aliens fun fact, and then we'll move on. Is the you know when you see the alien on screen, and it's got the slimy like dripping slime coming off of its body. Right. You know, like, so when it opens its mouth and it's clearly, like, it looks <laughs> wet and it's just dripping. Yeah. That is the, um, the substance that keeps the milkshake held together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that before, but that's really funny. I just thought, like, in terms of practical effects, yeah. someone was like, we need some kind of a goop-looking, like, slime thing. And, I'm, you know, they probably could have come up with, they could have come up with, like, they could just use aloe vera. You know what yeah. I mean? But they chose something, you know, like... It looks really... I mean, they could probably buy a lot of that, too, for cheap. So They I probably mean, yeah. can. Yeah, no, it's just... That's a really cool just effect for me. Yeah, that's funny. That's awesome. I never knew that. <laughs> so, yeah, Aliens, for me, this comes back to you. Okay, awesome. Um, So, I don't know if this is high up, <laughs> higher up on your list. Um, This is a, a movie trilogy that's very high up on a lot of people's lists, though, and that's the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Ooh. Peter Jackson's Lord Did of the Rings. Did not make my list. Yeah, Fellowship <laughs> through Return of the King. Um... These movies... Uh, These movies are phenomenal, don't get me yeah. wrong, but as I go through my next three, you'll understand why. Lord of the Rings, to me, is like, this is a movie series that uh, also came out when I was coming of age. Like, I think I was in high school for all of them, and it was just such... Every time it came out, it was an exciting event. I, it, I just was really brought into this world. Um, and, I mean, I don't know what to say, really. I mean, I've talked before about how... The ending of Return of the King, as I when I was when I first saw that movie, that ending was the most suspenseful thing I'd ever seen in my Which life. Return of the King. Yeah, the end of Return of the Which King. Which ending? You're talking about <laughs> okay, the big so battle because the, there was like twenty the, the endings at the, the end of that movie. <laughs> so Frodo and Sam fighting against Gollum, trying to get that ring. Oh, into yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about that, that. Was yeah, that was like I was on the edge of my seat, like couldn't breathe. Like that was amazing. And I know there's a lot of endings afterwards, and you know I can kind of appreciate that. Like there's a long resolution, but I like that for years there's been kind of nerdy banter of which ending should they have ended with and well, stuff like that. You the know? nerdy banter with that ending is funny to me, just because it's like I remember sitting in the theater thinking. Oh, I thought they were gonna roll credits. Yeah, and you watch this whole other scene, and then you're like, "Oh, I thought My that was gonna be credits." And then you watch uh, like so, like eight scenes later, you're like, yeah. "Man, when are they gonna roll the credits?" <laughs> My favorite, my personal favorite, is when the hobbits are going to uh, kneel down to Aragon as king. Yeah, and he kneels down to them, and so does everybody else. Like, I think that's a really powerful moment. And if yeah, they would like, have rolled roll credit the credits, there, it'd be perfect, you know. But right. yeah, I mean, I understand that <laughs> criticism, but regardless, like this is just an epic movie series and yeah. it's just awesome. It, it so. needed it needed the multiple endings. It needed to go out that way. So yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> um yeah. That's anyway. A, I mean that's about all I have to say about it. I don't know if you have any two cents. No, I like. I love the Lord of the Rings series and I was actually thinking about doing a uh a Lord of the Rings rewatch um but I wanted to do it. So I know that the Hobbit trilogy gets a lot of criticism for not being the greatest, but one of the things I haven't done is watched the Hobbit trilogy followed by the Lord of the Rings trilogy in succession of chronological order. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to do that, even though the one's not, you know. Yeah, I, um, my thoughts on The Hobbit. The problem right now is I got to get it 
like I gotta give it a minute because if I started it right now, if I started a rewatch, I'm gonna go. This is not Lord Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, I totally angry. understand that. So um, um, with the Habit trilogy, I almost think like parts of it were rushed from just a writing standpoint because there's certain parts of that. So from reading the Habit and then seeing the movie, there's certain parts of the story that I just feel like they missed the mark. Sure. Like, so much in the movie. Because, like, one of the biggest parts of The Habit for me that I related to was Bilbo being in over his head. Like, he is not an adventurer, he's not a thief, but he has to prove to these this group of dwarves that don't even know who the heck he is, like, that he's worthy to be in their company. And the movie, I think they just, they glossed over all of that. And there's, like, things that happen in the book that, where Bilbo actually, like, steps up and kind of proves himself. Yeah. And there's parts in the movie where like so one of the parts is when they fight the giant spiders in the woods and Bilbo actually kind of fights them off in the movie they made it seem like a big calamity sort of mistake where it wasn't even Bilbo stepping up it just like something happened and the spiders left and I was like but that's like Bilbo's supposed to be proving himself and that's such a relatable thing like I know I'm going on a lot of this but like it's such a relatable thing to be in over your head and feel like you don't deserve to be here, but I have to prove myself to this group. And I just felt like the movies didn't play that up, even though it's like right. something everybody could relate to, you know what sure. I mean? So, No, I hear you on that. But The Lord of the Rings, those... Uh, like, I, I actually watched The Lord of the Rings director's cuts back-to-back, all-in-one sitting ones. And it was amazing. It was one of the coolest <laughs> things ever. Um, was this over the span of a day or This was a over the span or? of a day. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. I got, I sat down to watch, uh, I sat down, I was a day off of work, I got a bowl of cereal in the morning, and I'm like, I don't have anything going on right now. And I thought to myself, I have stuff to do later. I'm going to watch a movie, and then I'm going to go do my other stuff. Yeah. And I was looking at my shelf going, I haven't watched Fellowship in a really long time. <laughs> and yeah. If you know the fellow, if you know the extended, the director's cut version of these movies, it's two discs for each film, and they're two hours each disc. So it's six discs. So it's each movie's four hours. So I literally put... Um, it's probably 7 o'clock in the morning. I put in Fellowship Disc 1. I'm like, I'm just going to watch Fellowship and then go on my day because I haven't watched it in a while. I got to the end of Fellowship, and I was like, Two Towers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then I got to the end of Two Towers, and I'm like, Return to the King. And I was like completely lethargic. I was just so, yeah. like, so sprawled out on the couch. Like, Return of the King's coming to an end. I think this is the last time I actually watched the trilogy as a whole. But That's awesome. Um, it was a good ride. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one, thing, one last thing I can say about Lord of the Rings. I know we've been going on and on, but a really cool thing, I think, is... Because uh, you talked about Fellowship, and do you remember... The best shot of the Fellowship of the Ring, that movie, like that they showed in all the trailers, all the TV spots, was they're in a uh, tavern, and there's this part where the ring gets tossed up in the air, and Frodo's like on the ground or laying on a table, and he reaches his hand up, and it's that yeah. overhead shot where the ring lands on his finger yeah. and falls onto his hand, and then he turns invisible. So that shot, that specific shot, is actually out of the Ralph Bakshi animated version of Lord of the Rings. Yes, I don't know yes, if you it knew is. that, but yeah, I did know that. that exact shot. And I just loved that, uh, like, I imagine Peter Jackson gets to do the Lord of the Rings movies, and he fully immerses himself in everything Lord of the Rings, even the goofy old animated version, yeah. and he takes that as an in- influence, and he 
puts an homage like, to that in his yeah, movie. It's kind of like, awesome, if I'm going to do know? this, we got to do it just like this guy did. And, yeah, and just like the fact that he spent so much time in that world that he even knew to recreate that shot right. in the first place. Well, you want to talk about great, spending time you know? in that world? It sounds like he might be attached <laughs> to the Amazon show. Oh, really? Yeah. And what I, is the Amazon? It's the Lord of the Rings Amazon show about... Amazon is doing... Amazon Prime is doing a Lord of the Rings series that takes place during the second era. Okay. So, like, 2,000 years before the events of Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> um, cool. I don't know Lord of the Rings mythos well enough yeah. to know what exactly happened during that era, but yeah. that's what I read. It was I mean, the second age. there's, a, like, a medieval fantasy void that needs to be filled right now, so yeah. maybe maybe they can step it yeah, up, absolutely, you know? Absolutely, <laughs> but am I going to sit down and watch it and go, this isn't Game of Thrones? <laughs> I mean... Um, <laughs> all right, so anyway, this goes back to my pick. Uh... So, uh, my next one will be, man, I don't know, uh, I know which one I want to talk about last, I just don't know which one I want to talk about next. Um, I'm going to go with the Dark Knight trilogy. Okay. Because we're going to talk about that anyway. Yeah. Um, this was such a, I don't know if they intended to make this a trilogy, I don't know if that was the ever plan, I don't know if it was Christopher Nolan going, hey, I have an idea for two Batman movies, how about, no, I have a feeling Christopher Nolan went, I have an idea for a Batman movie. But I gotta tell Batman Begins first. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think um, you're right. So like, he wanted to tell Dark Knight, but the only way to tell Dark Knight was to explain to everyone how serious he was gonna take it. Yeah, because when the Batman Begins came out and we all watched it, it was like, wow, they just did that kind of realistic, like the most realistic mm-hmm. I ever thought I was gonna get. And then we saw Dark Knight, where the world was already established, and we're like, oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, yeah. you know. So, um, and then. Warner Brothers was like, no, you have to do a third one. Mm. You know, um, and I, they to cover the arc of the character of Batman, like they did such a gorgeous job of taking that yeah. character to what we all want the character to be. So like, you know, it's like they set a bar. Like the Dark Knight set the bar as to what a comic book movie or superhero movie could be, and you still and everyone's still trying to meet that bar. Um, I'm not saying Endgame did or did not. I'm just saying, like, they set a precedent as to yeah. what a superhero movie should be. And, you know, that's, you know, that how seriousness you need to take this. And then you see what Marvel went and did. So we don't get to Endgame without the Dark Knight. Yeah. You no, know. I agree. This, these movies are great. Uh, they definitely made my short list. And, like, I do like how you pointed out, like, this is the story of Bruce Wayne, the story of Batman, and it's told from, like, an origin to an ending, and it's kind of like this really, um, for lack of a better word, like, sweet ending where he actually ends up, and it's, but it's still, like, this really realistic take, and it's just, it's awesome. Like, I can't say enough good things, um, about this trilogy. I know, uh... The Dark Knight Rises doesn't rank as high up there for me as uh, it does a lot of other people. And we actually talked about that a few weeks ago, so I don't have to go on and on about it. But, yeah, overall, like, the arc of it, just in general, like, it's great. And I also love that this is a movie trilogy that I don't think they could really make another sequel to. And I like that Christopher Nolan had a vision, and he stuck to it, and he ended that vision, and he quit while he was ahead so to speak and he has this like perfect yeah i'm not overstaying my welcome basically yeah and he's got like this perfectly put together story that he doesn't need to expand on and he's just letting it be there and it's 
ends up being one of the greatest trilogies, you know, in all of movie history. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you have anything? No, else to not say at about all. It? I mean, that's that um, kind of perfect. Relating to, we've talked a lot about Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, and uh, this one of this girl I knew in college once told me that because. At this point, Batman Begins was the only movie out of the Nolan Batman trilogy sure. that it came out. And this girl I know in college told me that she considers Batman Begins the version of Star Wars that the people in Lord of the Rings would make. <laughs> so she said, if the people during Lord of the Rings time I'm trying to made Star that. Wars, <laughs> it would be Batman Begins. And I don't really know what that means, but I think it's praise for the movie. <laughs> She she definitely seemed to like it a lot. So, okay, I think it. I think a big chunk of it comes with uh, Liam Neeson. Neeson as Ra's al Ghul, like training maybe Swain and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so. You know, it's funny as you say that. Um, this this is something I thought about the other day. This is a big tangent, and then we'll go back because your pick next. But um, I had this really fun idea that what if so the DC universe exists and they have to have their own real world aspect. And the Marvel Universe exists, and they have to have their own real-world yeah. aspect. What if... And I know this isn't true, because I've re- read enough comic books and seen movies to know that this is not the case, but I just thought it would be kind of cool that in the DC Universe, their comic books are the Marvel characters. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not going to happen. Wait, wait, though. and vice versa. So, like, when you're in the Marvel Universe, Spider-Man, Iron Man, all those characters are real... But the kids would oh. read comic books, and their fictional characters are Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I understand. And what do you see saying. what I'm saying? Because yeah, because in the DC universe, Batman, Superman, they exist for real. But a kid yeah. when he goes to a comic book store, he'd be buying Spider Man, Iron Man. Like, <laughs> because if you're a character in a Batman movie, there's never been a Batman TV show or a Batman comic. Correct. Or Correct. So that makes sense. <laughs> but everything about the world is still otherwise is still completely normal. So yeah. I guess I, just, I mean I just thought that like it's yeah. never gonna happen. Yeah. But the idea of like, huh, I wonder if they read each other's stories. <laughs> yeah. That's very interesting. I know, um, especially Batman has a couple like uh, pulp characters and like. Like in the Batman comics, there's actual yeah, like there's, characters uh, there's that a are character referenced. called the Gray Ghost. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. For example, which is a it's, which is a comic book mm-hmm. character that exists. So we know that that's not true. And I then, just always uh, thought that'd be kind of funny and interesting that that'd be the case. I don't know if it holds up through all Batman's origins, but in uh, in Batman v Superman, when they show uh, the Waynes going to the theater at the beginning and yeah. then they get mugged and leads to uh, Thomas and Martha's death. Um, doesn't it show, or didn't they go to see like the Mask of Zorro or they, something? So, they went or saw the, the, Mark, the of Mark of Zorro. So that's also another like comic book character or pulp character, whatever you want to call Zorro. Like that's another yeah. example of that in that universe. Yeah, I just thought that'd be, I just thought that'd be fun. You know, like yeah. they'd read each other's stories, and that's just how it <laughs> no, is. Like you know, Spider Man can't exist in the DC universe, but he does because some kids reading the comic book. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. I think uh, they're all reading Deadpool. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, all right, so this goes back to yours. we got two more picks yep. left. Actually, this leads perfectly into my next uh, choice, and this is my one weird pick, but it is the trilogy of Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League. That's so fine. I don't know how I'm going to write this, this on list, is, but I understand. <laughs> you could say, like, the... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, this is a movie trilogy that is... Uh, I don't know if everybody realizes it is, but it's definitely... there's. Seeds connected from Matt, Man of Steel all the way through. I loved 
the first two movies, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, um, which obviously leads up to Superman's death, that, and he's look, finally brought back that is, Justice League. To it's save very the world, clear you know? that that was written as a trilogy. <clears throat> yeah, um, and then hopefully we get the Snyder cut, and then you can really yeah. say that because we'll see what the real vision was. And, and that's the thing is, I liked Justice League, but I didn't love it because I felt like if Snyder was in control of it the whole time, we would have gotten something more. You know, but I still... It's very clear that they were trying to do something. Yeah. And it was very clear that it was in trilogy intended. And it's it's a gorgeous trilogy when you put them together. When you really, like, put them together and intently pay attention, it's a really nice piece of film. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel. And I think even though I don't think it's perfect because of the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that happened on Justice League, I love the first two movies so much and their cohesiveness. And then... The third one along with it, I just think it's like, it's great. And like, I love Man of Steel and Batman v Superman so much. This can't not be included in my top trilogy Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that brings me to my number two, and that is Back to the Future. Right, yeah. Um, so this made my short list okay. for sure. This, These are awesome movies. Look, I love time travel, and this is an awesome movie, and they're fun, and they're adventurous and everything. But what I think is really interesting is the writing of Back to the Future and how intently they paid attention to themselves putting it together. Um, I don't know how true it is, but I have heard rumors and I've read stuff that the three movies, Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3, were actually written all at once. I believe it. And they I made the first movie it. hoping it did well enough to make the other two. And, I mean, clearly that happened. But they, the way they call back to each other, I mean, yeah, in Endgame they make a lot of Back to the Future jokes, but everything that happened in Endgame was predicated on the fact that Back to the Future came first. Yeah. Back to the Future was clearly the linchpin for what they were trying to do with Endgame. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, t- look, Endgame's time travel makes my brain hurt. We could do a whole <laughs> show on the time travel of Endgame if you really wanted to. Um, but Back to the Future, they set rules. They were very simple, plain, and direct for time travel. And then they handled it in such a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Back to the Future, like, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about it, but... No, I think, like what you said, like, it's just really beautiful how all three movies are very intricately written so that they all, like, just correlate so well. Um, if you haven't seen Back to the Future as a trilogy, you I highly, highly recommend it. I'd be surprised if anyone hasn't at yeah. this point, but I know there's people out there that haven't seen it. I was just thinking, too, about like how much Back to the Future, like at the forefront of everything, and this sounds really goofy, but like time travel is like the main like focus of it, and it's really yeah. apparently apparent in Back to the Future, too, as Marty spends the movie trying to kind of undo like a something that was a simple mistake and he has to race all over through time trying to fix this like problem like he basically caused and uh it's just kind of really cool how um like it's just kind of really cool how that movie specifically i don't see it as like there's a big villain it's kind of like just there's this goal and everybody's in on it like watching the movie and they're all just like rooting for this character to achieve like this main goal goal and i i kind of think that about the other two movies as well the more i think about it it's kind of like it's cool that it's not like yeah there's time travel but we're fighting against like a monster or a villain it's like time travel is like the focus like it's both like the tool that they use but it's also the enemy and certain yeah it's also it's also the monster that they have to stop exactly yeah yeah um 
Yeah, it's and I don't know if that it made sense to the listeners, but I think it's just kind of a really cool. No, that's thing, that's a know? cool way of wording it, and it's just it it really made me enjoy time travel. So when I go watch other stuff, it you know. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like the time travel movies. Like you think time travel, it's first thing you think of is right. Back to the, I mean, there's some kids out there who end who now game will is think like, Endgame will yeah, be exactly. their Back to the Future. But yeah, so when you think a lot of times when you think time travel, Back to the Future is like one of the first things to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Back to the Future was mine. What is your final pick? Oh, I mean, what do you think my final pick is? I don't know. We haven't talked about it yet, so I can only imagine. <laughs> so uh, my final pick is the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, and yes, that's that. I I um, I will agree there. So yeah. go ahead and uh, talk about Star oh, Wars. Oh man, it's it's hard to even jump into this one because this is a movie trilogy that. Uh, I grew up with um, Drew and uh, my other brother, Scott, who have both, you know, Drew's on the podcast every week, but Scott's mm-hmm. been on here. Like, you guys were watching these movies over and over again, and I just grew 500 up. 500 times. I grew up <laughs> uh, just surrounded by these movies. I think Star Wars has affected me in so many ways, from my creativity to my aesthetics to just everything. Um, and it's just, like, all goes back to this original trilogy. Um I mean, we've talked about practical effects. Like, the practical effects of this this movie, I still think about sometimes. Like, I still think about some of the creatures they create. And, like, you know, know, as I'm, like, at work and going through other thoughts in my head, you know, sometimes a Rancor or an Ewok will pop in there among my daily thoughts. Um, One of the big things for me about this trilogy, and, you know, we could... Look, we could spend an entire show discussing how amazing the effects were and how amazing the weapons are, or the vehicles, or the characters, or um, like, man, Darth Vader looks awesome, or oh man, those stormtroopers look cool. Boba Fett looks cool, even though he doesn't do much. <laughs> like, there's so much we could talk about in terms of this. But one of the one of the reasons why this movie, these movies, this trilogy, um, separates itself amongst everything for me is that it is it's steeped in the Joseph Campbell mythology. And it tells the perfect hero's journey. The archetype that is Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy is such the journey of like what a hero is supposed to be to what he has to be in the end. It's so Shakespearean. I don't think, and I know someone out there could tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a story that handles the hero's journey better yeah than star wars no one has ever tried to tell the archetype that luke skywalker is ever since star wars came out um the skywalker archetype it's just they've never done it again yeah yeah no and and you're right and it's like of this like modern uh era that we're in star wars is still the best version it is still and it's like not even the best it's the quintessential version where right um a few weeks ago on the podcast, I mentioned this Netflix show that I've been watching here and there called uh, Myths and Monsters. Yeah. And they actually talk about like the origins of different myths. And they actually talk about a lot about uh, Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey or The Hero's Journey, whatever it's called. And uh, they reference Star Wars. And this is a movie that's come out like, you know, recently within the last few years. But they still reference this movie that came out in 1977 because that's right. the quintessential version of it still, you know? Um, and that just goes on with just how these movies are so timeless and just how they've inspired really everything entertainment wise ever since. Yeah. You know and I mean? the amount of stuff that star Wars inspired as it's gone. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the, like 
when Star Wars came out, suddenly it was space everything for, like, the longest time. And, like, you know, our dad, you know, has said to us many times, like, you know, ah, Star Wars isn't going to amount to anything, like, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And look at it now. Here we are 40 years later, and we are, like, and we're, like, with the edge of our seats waiting for Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like, this is... This trilogy set in motion, like, we... How about this? They're completely unrelated, you don't get Endgame without Star Wars. The entire yeah, movie no. industry exists. The, the entire movie industry today exists because of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope in no, 1977. Yeah. They had to re they had to rewrite the book of special effects to create that movie, and everyone basically said, "How did you do that?" And now every single person in Hollywood right now making movies is there because of Star Wars. Absolutely. So it's just the it's the staying power of this franchise, um, and I can just gush about it over and over yeah. and over again. Like I said, um, we could do an entire show just on Star Wars. I had so. a funny conversation at work with uh, one of my friends about how, because so a lot of people feel like this last season of Game of Thrones has been rushed. Like that's a common like complaint yeah. about it. And, and I th- I think the reason they think that is because we had to wait so long. No, and I for th- such a short season. But yeah, I, I, think I said that right. at the top of the show. I but, don't uh, but I, I was talking to this guy at work about like, why did they even go with shorter episode counts? Like, why didn't they continue? Like for season seven and eight of Game of Thrones, why didn't they do the full 10 episode counts? And he said, well, you know, uh, you know, David Benahoff and D.B. Weiss had to rush so they could go do Star Wars. And I thought that was fun. I thought that was really <laughs> funny because it's like, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe they just really wanted to get done with the Game of Thrones I actually, because they have their own Star Wars trilogy. I don't think that's true. Um, yeah. I did hear that they uh, they didn't want to do more than seven seasons. Um, oh, okay. Because they wanted to end with seven seasons because there's seven books, there's seven kingdoms, there's seven... Um, yeah. Like, seven's kind of a magic number for Game of Thrones. So they wanted to end with seven, but HBO wanted more. So I honestly feel... That seasons seven and eight were meant to be one season. And because of the filming constraints of the long night and the fall of King's Landing, yeah. they had to push for filming purposes and separated it. And if you put those two together, you get a 13-episode season. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Just maybe. I understand that. Okay. I, it's like, so, like, in my weird headcanon, like, I just thought it'd be funny if that was no, true. No, what you said was funny. Yeah. I just... <laughs> well, I just wanted... It, like, I want it to be true because I want to see... And that's how important Star Wars is. <laughs> These guys doing like the greatest TV show right. of all time had to rush off to do Star Wars. So. Right? Yeah. No. 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 Like I said, we could do a whole show on Star Wars, but uh, we're not because we're running long and it's time to close out for the night. So, did you have anything else you wanted to? Um. I mean, for trilogies, we could go on and on, but yeah, I think that sums okay. up. That sums you know, up most of them. Um. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, that's another episode in the can. Um. So we are going to next week. Um. We're gonna do a big Game of Thrones discussion as a whole. So we're gonna possibly bring on a guest or two and see what we can do. It could, there's a chance it could just be me and Peter talking, but we're gonna do a real Game of Thrones. Um. Deep dive. Um. And we're going to talk about the series as a whole, not just the finale. We're going to talk about characters and moments and that kind of stuff. So next week's episode, our top five list will be top five Game of Thrones moments. Um, I thought about doing characters, but it's going to come down to moments. But sometimes there's things that mean stuff more to other people. So um, I figured moments from the franchise. So top five favorite moments from the entire series. So good luck. 
Yeah. I'm going to have to do the same. Right. Um, I know it's it's definitely more fresh in your mind. I've prob- I've watched through the entire series three times minus this last season, uh, but I have watched each episode twice. So um, it's nice. real it's real yeah. fresh. Uh, and then we'll see who we can get on next week. So top five Game of Thrones moments. Um, so if you would check us out at topfivereport.com. Um, there you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with our email address, top5report at gmail.com. If you want to interact with the show, send us an email. Um, please subscribe to us on iTunes. There you can leave it. Not only will you get – if you subscribe to us, not only will you get every single episode, nor will you miss every episode – uh, you will be able to review us, and uh, we love five stars, but we also like criticism. So um, uh, make them good, but uh, it makes us <laughs> feel like the uh, words we say are important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. It's the um, best place to reach me. And so. uh, until next week, uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.